Welcome to Good Friday at Village Church Online. My name is Michael Fueling. I am the lead pastor here at the Village Church, and I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 45. Now, there are two levels to every human experience. The first is the physical. These are the things that we can see, that we can touch. Uh, the second is the spiritual. These are the things that we can't see, we can't measure, and we can't touch. What we find is that our world is made up of this dynamic experience between the physical and the spiritual. Let me give you an illustration of this. When I pray over somebody for spiritual comfort, um, words are coming out of my mouth. Air is going through my vocal cords and they're coming out. But God, who is spirit, hears my words. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit who ministers to my spirit. And this is a very spiritual reality. And then that ministry to my spirit by the Holy Spirit actually has physical ramifications. And then I begin to experience the supernatural peace and the comfort of God in my physical body. And so what we find here is that the, the spiritual realm powerfully impacts the physical realm. And the physical realm conversely also powerfully impacts the spiritual realm. Now the Gospels, as they address the crucifixion of Jesus, they are honing in on the very physical aspects of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. But they're, they're dropping these clues for us that this is not just the death of another man, but the death of Jesus of Nazareth is truly distinctly separate and distinct from the death of every other person who has ever lived. And we're going to find is that God is actually going to clue us in. He's going to give us indicators. He's going to intervene into the physical realm. And he's going to do things that show us and everybody watching that this Jesus Christ is profoundly unique. And we need to listen to the Gospel of Matthew powerfully hold this tension as Jesus hangs on the cross, dying in verse 45. Here's what it says. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And we see here already is that God is intervening into the physical realm. And he's bringing darkness to communicate that this isn't just a normal event. On the surface, it may look like just another man being crucified, being executed, and dying. But this physical event is having profound spiritual reverberations. And so the Father intervenes into the physical realm to tell us that this is a big deal. Whatever's happening isn't just normal. Verse 46 goes on and says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Now, the time is important for a couple of reasons. One, it tells you how long physically Jesus hung on the cross. But it's interesting because what it also tells you is this, that at the ninth hour on Passover, this was the very hour that the Passover lamb was being slaughtered. Go down to verse 50 with me. And it says this, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now, again, it's apparent this is a very physical death of a very physical man. But God is now going to intervene in the physical realm as a declaration, as a clue, as an indicator that this is just not any normal death. Here's the first clue that Jesus was not just any man. Number one, God tore the curtain of the temple. Look at verse 51. It says this very simply, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So I want to be very clear. Jesus did this. Jesus intervened in the physical realm 
to make a powerful declaration to everybody who is observing this. Here it is. Jesus has removed every barrier between you and God. Jesus has removed every barrier between you and God. This is a divine object lesson. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the Garden of Eden, the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect fellowship with God. They sinned and they were cast out of the garden and God put angels in front of the entrance to make sure that nobody could ever have access to Eden again because Eden was the place where God dwelled. And so we fast forward and we find that the presence of God is restricted. We get to Moses, who is the only person allowed to the top of Mount Sinai to meet with God. And even that access is somewhat restricted. We go to the time of the tabernacle and the temple we find that there's this place inside of the tabernacle in the temple called the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. And this was the very place where the presence of God dwelt and no one was allowed in that place unless you were the high priest. You had gone through multiple rituals and that was only done once every single year. Access to God was powerfully restricted. If you had gone into the presence of God without the right purification and the right authorizations, you would be dead on the spot. And so here's what this torn curtain is communicating. People of God, access to God has always been restricted up until this moment, but something about the death of Jesus Christ has given those who trust in him full access, full confidence to approach the throne of grace. And so that when we run to God, there's not one ounce of hesitation because we are covered by the blood of the true lamb who is Jesus Christ. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 with me. Here's what it says. For through him, that is Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. That unless you go through Jesus Christ, there is no access to the Father. But through Jesus Christ, anybody who places their faith in him because of his shed blood and their behalf, their sins are covered. And before God, they walk in as forgiven, redeemed, and purified. And you have full access to God. Here's the second clue that this death of Jesus was not just the death of any man. Number two, God temporarily raised the dead. Watch this, verse 51. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. I'm going to pause because the moment Jesus died, not only did the curtain tear, but there were some pretty incredible things that happened all around Jerusalem tombs of believers were actually opened. Now, the text is a little confusing about what happens next, but I want to show this to you in, in verse 52. It says this, the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep or died were raised and coming out of the tombs, look at this prepositional phrase, after the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let me just explain what I think is happening. Uh, it appears that that at the moment Jesus yielded up his spirit and died, there was some kind of massive earthquake all throughout Jerusalem and tombs were opened. And whether they were raised at that moment or they were raised after Jesus was raised from the dead, it appears they were raised afterwards. Uh, people could actually look in and see the dead bodies of these saints, of these people who had trusted in God. And then, and then on Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose again from the dead, this was confirmed because many people who were dead and in tombs walked right out of their tombs. Now, this wasn't their permanent resurrection. They would go on to later die. The permanent resurrection is going to happen way later in history. 
But this is a powerful declaration. God intervenes into the physical realm to communicate that what is happening with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross isn't just a mere physical event. It is a powerful spiritual event with massive implications. And God is communicating to us that you can't ignore this Jesus. This is amazing. The open tombs declare this to us, that Jesus will raise your dead body from its tomb. Isn't this amazing news? I had the privilege to um, walk with two men this week as they buried their wives. And I imagine that many, many people in Jerusalem lost spouses and children. They would give anything to see them again. I mean, can you imagine the unbelievable joy of the men and women who had the privilege to be reunited with those they loved who had died? Unbelievable. Now, here's the third clue that Jesus was not just any man. Number three, God saved the unexpected. Look at verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him, let's just pause for a moment. Who is the absolute last person in this moment that you would expect to place their faith in Jesus Christ? It's going to be the centurion and the people under his command. I mean, if these people come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you know that there is an intervention of God and that God is up to something. Here's what it says. These men, they were keeping watch over Jesus, and they saw the earthquake and what took place. And they're putting two and two together. They're realizing that this Jesus is not just any other man. He is very distinct. The gods or God are looking upon this man, and they are making physical declarations that this is just not a normal death. It goes on and says this, they were filled with awe and they said, truly, this was the son of God. The conversion of these very unexpected men was a declaration that no one, no one is too far from God. No one is too dirty. No one is too defiled. No one is too disgusting. No one is too far gone. Did you publicly mock Jesus? You can be forgiven. Did you beat him to death? You can be forgiven. Did you put the nails in his body? You can be forgiven. Did you mock him on the cross and make fun of him? You can be forgiven. I mean, it's really unbelievable here what happens. These polytheistic pagan men watched all of this happening. And in this moment, they laid aside their entire worldview, their entire religious persuasion, and they worshiped Jesus. They laid aside everything they knew as real and true, all their views of the gods, the Roman gods. And when they saw God come into the physical realm and do unbelievable things, they realized this Jesus truly is the son of God. So God tears the curtain as a declaration that access to him has been granted through faith in Jesus Christ. God raises all of these people from the dead as a declaration that this is your future. Those of you who place your faith in Jesus, resurrection to eternal life is your certain future. God saves, honestly, in this moment, the most unsavable people as a declaration that no one is too far gone. If God can save these men, the very men who killed Jesus, certainly God can save you. 
want to take a moment as we close here, and I want to encourage you. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, we have incredible news for you. The Bible declares that the blood of Christ can cover the sins of anyone who places their faith in Jesus. There is no one too sinful, no one too far gone. Um, I've talked with many, many men and women who have told me, uh, God could never forgive me. You don't know what I've done. And my response to them is, you don't know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today. May this be the day where you humble yourself, where you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Because as the torn curtain shows us, there is nothing, nothing that stands between you and God at this point except your unwillingness to believe. So today, would you lay that aside? Today, would you place your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time? There's no magical mantra you have to say. Confess to him that you believe you're a sinner. Confess to him that you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Tell him you believe Jesus rose again from the dead and ask him to forgive you. And here's the promise of God that he will forgive you and he will give you his Holy Spirit and he will help you. And if that's a decision you want to make today, we would just love to encourage you. We'd love to resource you. We'd love to help you. We'd love to pray with you. And so if you'd let us know that, we would just greatly appreciate that. Now, most of you watching, you've already placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and, and you've probably celebrated many Good Fridays. And I want to come before you, and, and I want to remind you of the centurion and the men who followed him. Uh, the death and the crucifixion of Jesus left them in awe. And for some of us, I think maybe we've lost our awe and our gratitude. And my prayer for you this Good Friday is that you would be filled with awe and gratitude at our God's incredible love for you and me. God gave his only son so that whoever ever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our sins have been paid for. And so Village Church, I have incredible news for you. You will never, ever have to see the condemnation of God or hell because of Jesus Christ. He took it on himself for you in your place. So Village Church, I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you as we celebrate this bittersweet day of the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you that you have loved us so perfectly and well, and you have given us your son. God, there is nothing we could have done to earn forgiveness, to work our way toward it. We could never have been good enough. You knew that, and you met our deepest problem, and you resolved it. And God, you have made it almost too simple to a degree. All you've required is faith and trust, and so we bring our meager, small faith to you, and we say, grow it. God, I know there are some here who have never trusted in you. They're listening, they're watching, and, and they've never placed their faith in you. And maybe they even believe in their head, but they've never truly trusted you with their heart. And so God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage them and prompt them and push them that they would make a decision to place their faith and their trust in you for the very first time. Um, Lord, I am profoundly grateful on this bittersweet day. And and I know that I speak in behalf of many of my brothers and sisters when I say, we are so sorry. It is our sin that put you on the cross. We chose it. But we are also so thankful that you paid the price for our sins in our place that we never, ever could. And so would you grant us deeper levels of awe and gratitude and trust? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Village Church, it's been a while since we've been able to celebrate communion together. And every Good Friday, we have a communion service where we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
Now, this is going to be a little bit different than normal. Some of you do have juice and bread. Some of you have water. Some of you have apple juice. At the end of the day, the elements are not the most important thing. The most important thing is what they represent and what they point us to. What they represent is the body of Jesus Christ, which was killed for us in our sins and our behalf. What they represent is the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. And so these elements, the actual substance of them isn't the most important thing. But in this time, we remember. Now, many of you have your kids with you, and I want to give you an encouragement before we do this. Um, Communion is not just for adults. It's for anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you, if your kids have placed their faith in Jesus, that you can partake of communion as a family. And so these elements are so meaningful to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of silence. This is going to be a time of reflection, a time to pray to God, to thank Him. And then what we'll do is I will close um, our time in prayer, and we'll partake together, and then we're going to worship together with one more song. Let's have a time of silence.